Hey, you're listening to the Privacy Podcast, where we discuss relevant topics regarding your online privacy. This week on the Privacy Podcast, we'll be talking about your online user data. Um, how much do you think your data is worth? Then I'm going to say a lot more than $100, yeah. Thousands, I think, probably. Um, I think, like, my individual data probably isn't a lot, but, like, like as a whole, like, like a lot of people's data combined is probably, like, a lot worth. I'm sure that it's worth lots of money. Otherwise, they wouldn't put all the effort into collecting it. Uh, individually, I wouldn't say it's worth a lot. Probably a lot, because they're able to, like, put, like, ads that are like particular to your interests and stuff like that i would say not very much because i don't like buy a lot of things um twenty thousand dollars we had the opportunity to talk to some students around campus and learn about some of their opinions and thoughts on their data privacy we're going to be showing a couple of these clips as well as talking about some of our thoughts and opinions on these policies as well. Yeah, anything like strike you guys from going, walking around, like talking to people? Well, to me, as initially, just like hearing the number of people that think that their data is worth over a thousand dollars is like really crazy to me. Cause like, even to me, I thought that like my data would be like nothing really, like probably a dollar at most. So just like hearing people say like $20,000, $5,000 or anything along the lines of that, it's just like absurd to me. I don't know, it's almost scary to think that like they basically just live online so much so that they think like their time is money. Well, the thing is too that like in today's society, like there was research done that like basically you have to have all of these social media, like you have to have Google and like everything connected basically just to function in society. You can't go a lot of places without like Google Maps, for example, and that's yeah. not necessarily a social media, but it's still collecting data on you, on your location, and it's just kind of a lot, you know? Yeah. I know so many people who would not be able to survive without Google Maps. <laughs> they would literally yeah. die. They could not get anywhere without it. That's true. Yeah, no, Google always sends like my monthly timeline review of like where I've gone in the past month, but I just saw something where you can request like all of your Amazon data. Sorry, I just filed for that, but they said it can take up to like a month to get it back to you. So, uh, but basically everyone who's like done it has like been like, this is like super scary stuff that they have on you. So like, I think that's something that some, some people brought up in the interviews is like, they have a lot of this antitrust because they don't, they collect so many things that like aren't needed for the app. And then um, they don't tell us about it. Exactly. That's one of the big things. They don't tell us what they're tracking about yeah. us. So we have no idea the kind of information they have. I wonder how many people would actually look into that or care to know, because from what we've heard from people just like reading or not reading privacy statements, <laughs> like people might not even care about that information. And it's just like, should they share that openly with people if they aren't already curious about it? Yeah, I don't know. I think we got some, some good answers in the interviews. People like, when I ask them, how far have you read, or have you ever read privacy <laughs> policy, people are like, no, I always accept, always, Yeah. not even on like any new products, they're always just like, whatever. I trust, I trust I, that like, if it was bad, then people who do read it would take <laughs> care of it kind of thing, and not like. Have you ever read an entire privacy policy? Never. Never. How far have you gotten into it? Um, <laughs> Two lines? No. no. Well, click accept. Usually halfway. Yeah. yeah. Halfway? That's, Wait, that's better than most people. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. What's the 
farthest you've gotten? Uh, like none. I've never read a privacy policy all the way through. I've read bits and pieces, but bits never the whole pieces. thing. Bits and pieces, okay. Not all the way through, no. <laughs> nope. nope. I always agree. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read any parts of privacy policies? Yeah, there's some research here that I found that 81% of people believe that they have little to no control over their data mm -hmm. for companies. And then 84% believe that they have little to no control over the data that the government collects. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting. They think they have less control over the government data than the company data, which I feel like I, I feel like it's the opposite for me. I feel like some companies have so much more data on me than the government and yeah. I have kind of less control. Well, I don't know, because there's no privacy policy for the government. <laughs> they, they don't make you yeah. sign a privacy policy before they start recording you with the NSA. Yeah, maybe, so, I guess maybe another part of that is like, uh, you know, you opt into these companies. Now, maybe not like Google Maps, but like um, other companies like TikTok and Instagram, social media platforms, you're definitely opting into them. Whereas like the government, like, you don't have a choice to like opt out of doing taxes, you know, yeah. or like <laughs> filing where you live or, you know, how much you've made in the past year. Well, I also wonder if people ever think about that the, the information that the government has on you is like a lot different than what companies like mm -hmm. government has like your birth, like certificate and like they have your social security number mm -hmm. and everything tied to you. But then it's just like you can fabricate what information a company has on you. Yeah. But it's also, to a certain extent, like, very different, I feel like. Yeah, those companies can have, like, alter egos and, like, you know, basically your f fake lifestyle. Like, the government, you know, they can... S government, including, like, you know, the police. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, they can subpoena to get, like, your phone records and your email history and, like, your text messages. So, like, they've got, like, kind of a more real you which honestly could be a little scarier to those people of like why they feel they have a little less control is like i guess to each other have you guys ever read a privacy policy agreement not other than the one we read in class that's yeah. pretty much the only one i think before that maybe a couple lines no further than that yeah i'd say for me it was like the one that we read in class and like i'm glad we did because there's like a lot of stuff that this app was doing that like i had no like, I never would have thought that that's what they're doing, which, like, the, the biggest thing was, like, it makes sense the way they explain it, but it is a little unsettling. They send your direct messages on the app to a third party, um, like, for moderation. And so, like, it's, I guess it's a little unsettling to me that, like, I opted in for that company and not for this third party. So, like, the fact that this third party now has all that same information on me was a little, like more unsettling yeah it's amazing how many different things these companies can just slip in there and nobody notices and then they totally get away with it without any repercussions and the thing that's also scary too is just like you have no idea who these third parties are and like what their intentions are like you can assume that they're going to be for advertising for what whatever it may be but at the same time you also don't know that for certain it's like it could be used for like malicious purposes or I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, another thing that came up when we were talking to people was kind of the security of this data. Like, how do we know that they're taking care of it in a way that's safe and protected and it won't, like, be let out into other third parties that they don't even intend to share it with? Right now. So what we see is what we have been shown. Yeah. But we don't know what we don't know. 
So that, yeah. that, that seems very scary. intimidating. Yeah. Other than internet companies, some other big tech companies do definitely have probably a lot more access to data than I would want. So things like Google probably has a lot more access to data than I would want. I'm pretty skeptical about those things, so I use VPNs. I use I don't use the generic Chrome browser. I use a Brave browser, which protects all like data to a certain extent by mm-hmm. automatically blocking all the privacy blockers. Or how do we know that the third parties they share it with are taking care of it right? Because that's that's where it's the biggest problem that it gets out to people that it's not intended for. Yeah, because I mean, there's really, in this day and age, like, no one is safe from, like, data breaches or getting hacked. Like, past summer, that, like, Texas Pipeline or whatever, the basically the gas company that supplies, like, all the gas for the East Coast, like, got hacked. And so they were held at ransom by the hackers. And so, like, there was just a gas shortage on the entire East Coast. And, like, we've also seen, like, credit card companies and banks, like, they get hacked too. So then all your credit card information is out there. And then, so like even like trusted institutions, like, you know, aren't necessarily guaranteed that all your information will be, be safe. But the government has kind of started reaching out and like making sure that the cybersecurity industry for these like infrastructure companies are a little more protected and they've got some better guidelines coming out about like, you know, how strong your systems have to be. So I guess that is a one positive that's come out of, all of people's data getting shut down, <laughs> getting breached. Yeah, that really makes me think about like what what is the real kind of issue here? Is it the privacy and the amount of information being tracked on us, or is it the security aspect mm-hmm. of like oh how once our data is collected because we believe that we're going to be having data on us regardless, how is it going to be secured? And maybe which one is the real like factor that we should be thinking about. I definitely think it's hard, but I, I would assume that if data was collected properly, would there even be a need for risk of like security? Like why do these companies need our credit card information mm-hmm. if like I'm not even using a credit card to do this thing? Yeah. I feel like a lot of things a lot of times too, they could collect the data but they don't need to hold on to it. Like we give them this information mm. one time, but it's not, they, there's no need for them to have it in the future. Like we could, if yeah. we need to give it to them again, we can give it to them again, but just them holding on to it just creates that risk of it being exposed to other third parties and getting leaked and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's a good point. doesn't need to be saved. It can be just kind of transient. Yeah, I, I think like especially location data for me would be like the first thing that comes to mind. Like, yeah, you might share your, with your location that like, yeah, you traveled to a new town for the week and like you want to get recommendations on, you know, where to go out to eat and stuff like that. But then like once it knows that you're not there anymore, like it might just let that go. Otherwise, you know, there can be people that like if they get a hold of that information, they can see, you know. I also think that, like, something we've talked about a little bit in class and some of these people in the interviews have, like, brought up is that, like, this data really only comes into play at scale um, and how, like, you're anonymous in the crowd, but obviously you can still be tracked down individually if the data still did get out. You get it in a collective group, it's worth a lot to them because their marketing and their everything can be targeted towards a particular band. uh, geographic battle 
again, that's kind of where the value of the data comes to is that it's yeah. in that aggregate and it, they're able to make these anal make analyses based on the group that has all these characteristics, but each individual person isn't actually that valuable because they don't, they're, they're individually, you can't build trends based on a, a single data point. You need the whole community to be able to see where things line up and where the clusters are and everything. Yeah, yeah and that makes a lot of sense too with like a bunch of the applications that we're using today, like Facebook, that are all ad-based. Like it's all free programs, but like the ads are what motivate it to keep running. And it's just like, it's easier for the company in my mind, it's easier for the company to be like, all right, we're gonna send this one ad to all college age males, for example, versus being like, all right, here's this person, Kenzo, he's a college age male, and identifying one specific ad to that. Like, I feel like that's really difficult, but like what you're talking about, that group, yeah. once we're all grouped together, then it's like, okay, it's easy to assign one thing to all of us. Yeah, yeah that's how these companies make money, like selling ads. We are the product, we're yeah. not the consumer. They, these companies are selling us to other companies so that we enjoy their app and then they sell us. Yeah, which I think thought was really interesting when we were going on like interviewing people and they were like, it was, it was pretty split on either like, hell no, I never accept cookies or like, yeah, I always accept cookies, which like is a big way for these companies to track, you know, what websites you're on and like what you're clicking on and how much time you're viewing stuff is like, that's where cookies come into play when you're on the internet. Do you ever reject cookies on a website? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah I never accept anything wow. like that. If I can, yes. Uh, but I think usually they don't let you like continue. I always try to decline. I always accept them. Always accept them? <laughs> I mean, do you know I why? do. No, nope. I should, but I always accept them. <laughs> I do, but I prefer not to. If the content is very useful for them, for me, I'll just allow cookies and just watch it. On websites where I don't really know if they're like real or like what the companies will do, I don't really know what they are. So depending on whether I think the company is trustworthy or not. Um, and so like some people are just totally oblivious to the fact that like oh, my phone's listening to me, when really it's like just cookies, um, which are like super simple, like to write, super like small data storage system too. So like, um, yeah, I know like some people who, who yeah, said that they decline cookies. Now I wonder like how targeted, how, how much less targeted their ads are compared to people who are just accepting everything. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's kind of the whole scheme is to target those people that are clicking yes on everything, thinking that, hey, they're gonna, they're more vulnerable. So uh, I definitely wonder like if there's some more education on like what cookies actually do, if that would change like what websites you accept or reject cookies on. I definitely think more education is always the way to go. The more people know about it, the more they're gonna be able to make their own informed decisions and kind of decide for themselves whether they wanna share this data or whether they wanna allow these companies to see what they're doing and all that kind of stuff or whether they even wanna use this service because sometimes it's impossible to use it without sharing your data and at that point, maybe it's not even worth it. Yeah, there's also things 
uh, reminds me of like in Europe, I believe they have that. Um, there's like the thing GDPR. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it's well, also that, but then also the right to be forgotten. Right to be too. forgotten. Yeah. Like I was also thinking about during all of this conversation too, where it's just like if we had something along along the lines of that as well, that like we were talking about um, our data being transient or something and not staying around. Then it's just like if we had the right to be forgotten as well, then like when we be able to get rid of that data and kind of like quote unquote like start anew maybe Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's like obviously i think that's a really interesting law um for a lot of reasons but more so even just like the future proof of it is like we're kind of at i guess the beginning age of like all this big data um but like say like in like two three decades from now like Who's to say Facebook or Twitter or Instagram will still going to be, like, around? Like, these could just be dead companies, but their data is still out there. So, like, mm-hmm. that's true. will you still be able to be forgotten even if no one's working these companies? Even if... Um, so, I think that's, like, something that, you know, we should even be looking forward to. Like, um, maybe we should be writing laws, like, yeah, maybe after... X amount of years, our data should just be, you know, rewritten unless the consumer, like, agrees, like, no, like, let's keep it going. Because, um, yeah, like, if you haven't been on Instagram for, like, five years, like, do they still really need your data out there? Like, yeah. you should be able to, like, like yeah, let's get rid of that. Um, so I think that would be, like, a really... That's a really good point, too, because it's, like, after like 10 years i'm gonna be a completely different not completely a different person but majority like very different than Mm -hmm. i was like than i am now like for a college student like my ads or even regardless of what we're talking about is going to be like very targeted to that point in time yeah but once that changes i feel like that data that was collected on me becomes more or less irrelevant yeah potentially especially since like your data helps feed the algorithm of what college age kids at UW like, but who's to say in 20 years, that's still going to be a relevant thing. You know, like the things that are popular now aren't going to be popular in two, like 20 years. So like, will they just get rid of that data on, on you? Um, I mean, not, I don't see, it could be used maliciously, but I don't really see how like there's any benefit to others in 20 years from now. Yeah, having holding on to all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do to like help prevent these companies from tracking our data or is there any kind of like legislation or just things that we can do as individuals to kind of limit the access these companies have? Well, oh, I was just going to say like going back to your other point earlier where it's just like we need to educate. Well, first of all, just need to educate people like there from our interviews we found just like the number of people that have no idea what's really being collected and like how is it being used is like really su- surprising and like a lot of those answers can be found in the uh, privacy policies and then I guess after that then we really need to like think about maybe possibly laws or regulations that will happen that can control this data or can control the maybe let's just say access or storage of our data like there needs to be something a little bit more concrete into our future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like looking long term, laws and policies will definitely be kind of that answer. Um, 
there was a good article that said like, yeah, you hop on a plane without doing a safety inspection on it because you are, you trust the government has regulated it and stuff like that. And like, you don't, you know, and do analysis, enzyme analysis on your food before you eat it because you just ensure that the FDA has approved that food. So I think um, in the long term, yeah, laws and policies, but in the short term, like we talked even, I think only one person brought it up that they use a private browser, mm-hmm. they use VPN, like that stuff. I it's not it's, all it's encompassing. More, it's not all encompassing, but it's more than a band-aid solution. Yeah, for sure. it makes a difference for sure. Yeah, so I think like even just because um, that's something that like doesn't the only thing it does unless you really like your targeted ad. So like more than anything, it yeah, it, it kind of is that mm-hmm. that security that's, system. It's kind of another level of protection. Yeah, um, without having to become an expert on cybersecurity and going and using like Tor browsers, like you can still use like. Yeah. You know, popular internet browsers, but just, you know, even just throwing on VPN. VPN, there. use DuckDuckGo instead. Yeah, so turn off. Don't get tracked. Turn off your, like, uh, yeah. your location sharing for mm-hmm. apps, which I think Apple's been doing a really good job yeah. with, the, with these new updates um, about, like, choosing, you know, how often do you want to be sharing your location with the app you're using? How much data do you want to be sharing with the app that you're using? as far as like for ad targeting. So I think that um, companies are kind of taking a foothold in this, but I also saw that like a lot of the policies that were trying to be made also have a foothold from like Amazon is the people that wrote like the Virginia, uh, Virginia's like privacy policies mm-hmm. um, that they tried to put into legislation. And so it's kind of like, okay, what's the point if like <laughs> you guys- Yeah, yeah. They, if the government legislation is being written by the company it doesn't make a big difference yeah it's still the company's deciding exactly so i think um so maybe there needs to be an individual board or something to like Mm -hmm. actually be the ones to take initiative on this stuff i'm not sure but um i think another issue with that is our government in the u.s is just so old like everybody is like old (laughs) i don't know how else to say it we need much younger like ideas and people in our government who understand the internet a lot better and the kind of concepts and the dangers and risks and everything that come with it because right now if you don't even understand how the internet works or like the con like what's going on there's no way you're going to be able to legislate on it because you just don't have the conceptual understanding to be able to create laws governing it yeah that's a good point because it's like Technology is always advancing. Like it's continuously growing and continuously becoming wider and wider spread to more and more people. And it's just like, how do we govern that? And then to your point where we need younger people and people that have very good knowledge of like how technology is being used. So then we can start having a better educated conversation in government about it. Cause sometimes it really just feels like there's one side talking and the other side doesn't slowly fully understand what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> another interesting concept that came up that I think you were talking about a little bit is the idea of the personalized ads. Um, I feel like it was interesting to see how some people really liked them and they were like, oh, I, I don't care about that they're tracking because I like the personalized ads. I like seeing things that apply to me versus other people who cared so much more about the tracking that they would totally give up the personalized ads. And it's kind of where's the balance between that? Do you like the ads? Do you not? Is it worth it? 
just kind of, I feel like it's almost a very personal decision for most people. Yeah, I even wonder how much of a difference it makes. Like, if I were to stop sharing my data, I guess, to a certain level, what do these non-targeted ads look like? And does it really disrupt my, like, usability of this thing? I, I'm not sure, because that is a big argument that Facebook has that, like, if you turn off all of these data collections, then you're just going to get very dry, generic ads. But it's just, like, I wonder how many Americans even, mm -hmm. or people in generally in the world, like, recognize that. Yeah. Would you even notice if they were not targeted? Because I don't even look at ads. Like, I, they pop up, but I just ignore them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it would make a big difference for me, at least. Yeah, I think uh, something that was interesting that I've been thinking about since these interviews is like um, we kind of had like that whole pay for privacy thing is like how much would you pay um, and fit meant that these companies want to track more than they need. Um, and so that's kind of where we came with the $12 price point was because that's how much uh, the Facebook data, your, fa your personal Facebook data is reported to be worth. Um, and so I think there was one interview that like brought up the good point that like it would kind of be a discriminating factor if it meant that um, you could pay to opt out of seeing any ads because you wouldn't, you wouldn't need generic ads if you were paying to not have them track your info. Plus they would still, I don't think the companies would just allow you to just don't share because um, like you said, like we are the product. And so like if you're not sharing your information with them, then like, you're basically useless to them. Um, and so I feel that uh, if you were to have, an, have the same app, but there's two routes you can take, is you can continue with the data tracking, um, but it is free, or you can pay your $12 or whatever your fee is gonna be, and there's no excessive information collected on you. Um, you know, that is kind of like a discriminating, um, route that comes up and so then what are those ads going to start looking like towards the people that can't pay to get out of them how much more aggressive are they going to be is their fee going to be polluted with twice as many ads so i think that's something that like um should definitely be be considered when we're talking about this pay to opt out model um, would you guys ever pay to opt out I guess it would really depend on what the application is. Like if it's something that I like actively use every single day for like a large amount of time, like maybe like for example, but if it's like a non-necessity thing, mm -hmm. then I would probably like not mind it. Mm -hmm. For example, like ads come up all the time on TikTok and it's easy enough for me just to like scroll past just it. Keep going. <laughs> like, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Like, do what I pay to how much of a burden yeah, is it? It's yeah. not a burden at all. You just swipe right through it like it's another okay. video. It doesn't Yeah. Because I swipe through so many videos that I don't want to watch, so it's just another video I don't want to watch. The algorithm just gives me something I don't like, so I just swipe through it. Yeah. <laughs> Versus like YouTube or something like that, where it's just like you have to sit there for mm -hmm. like the twenty seconds that it's on. And then it's just like if I pay, I could just get rid of this, but it's also yeah. only 20 seconds of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's valuable enough to have to want to pay it out mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Does, it, it does YouTube red? I think it does. Yeah. yeah. But how much is YouTube red? I don't know. I don't know, but I know that it comes with a lot of other features also, mm -hmm. um, as far as like download. What like, seems to be the nicest you can play in the background without 
That's the app being open, which is something I think. Yeah. All that money from All right. For. It looks like it's twelve dollars a month. Um, I don't use YouTube that much, so I wouldn't pay it. But do you use YouTube a lot? I guess I do kind of. I, I mean, like I watch a lot of tutorials and like mm-hmm. just general like people reacting to stuff. So it's just like I would consider it, but in the end, I probably won't ever pay for it. Twelve dollars a month is quite a bit. Yeah, especially since I've just got an ad blocker on my laptop, and does the same it thing. Gets rid of the ads anyway. So to me, it's kind of like yeah. Well, if uh, you guys don't have any other thoughts or questions, I think that's it for uh, this week of the Privacy Podcast. Uh, we hope that you enjoy and tune in next week as we talk about Section Two Thirty. Thank you. Have a good one.